Hi, my name is Sarah Rachel Brown. I'm a 30-something-year-old woman, and I live in Philadelphia. I'm a contemporary jeweler. And like many others, I am an artist trying to make a living. On this podcast, I'm going to broach the subject of value. I'll be talking to studio artists and performers, educators and administrators, and anyone else attempting to combine their creative endeavors with how they get a paycheck. Hey, it's Friday, and it is another episode of Perceived Value. If I sound a little different, it's probably because I'm a little older, on June 26th, I turned 33, and to all the other June babies out there, I hope you had a wonderful birthday month. I actually spent my birthday working. Well, it was work, but the kind that I truly enjoy. Jana Gregonis, who is an amazing jeweler and educator, she invited me out to Cutstown University in Oh, I said it wrong again. It's Cutstown, but I keep saying Cutstown because I'm from Iowa. I don't know. But I went out there as a visiting artist. And if you're unfamiliar with what I'm talking about, schools and universities typically have a budget for bringing in artists to guest lecture or demo. Now, I see it as a way that they can diversify the type of artists and work that students are exposed to within a program. And, you know, visiting artist gigs, they're really great. They pay well. And I didn't ask for permission to say how much I got paid, but I can say that it did pay my rent. Happy birthday to me. And people, you know, the students are really excited to meet you. And there's a type of energy that you get from the classroom that every once in a while being around can really be just as beneficial to you as a visiting artist as it is to the students. And so this was my third time as a VA. And if you're curious to how someone finds themselves being invited as a visiting artist, all my opportunities have come from previous connections. Uh, either it was a previous instructor, thank you, Angela Bubosh, or in this instance, um, I had invited Jana to the Pentaculum residency, and we connected, and we kept in touch, and then she asked me as a visiting artist. So there you have it. I am so very excited about today's guest, not only because the conversation is insightful and energetic, but because I have long had an art crush on this woman, and if you've been an avid listener of Perceived Value, you most definitely have heard her name. She does so many things so well. As a jeweler, I am in awe of her fabrication skills and just her overall design aesthetic. I admire how her work is consistently evolving and incorporating new techniques. Her photography is stunning, and as someone who values strong branding and marketing, her Instagram feed, website, and packaging never fail to impress. At first, it was Erica Bello's jewelry that captured my attention. But as I have followed her career, it is her honesty about both her successes and failures that have kept me captive. When it comes to talking about the realities of our careers, I feel as though we are kindred spirits. So please welcome the very talented and candid Erica Bello. Bubbly water. Not the best choice. 
I know. <laughs> it's like the opening, I don't know, like Josh DeMonte's episode. He's yeah, like, we're, we're literally a bunch of Belgian beers. Yeah, we're just like burping left and right. I was like, I'm classy. That is the thing about me. I'm a classy broad. Um, yeah, so these are my little levels here. So this, so this is interesting. I mean, I know like you pursued this because you basically got money after your dad died. Mm-hmm. Grandpa. But how, oh, well, grandpa. He was like my dad. Oh yeah. Um, but how did you know what even to get? Like oh, how? Yeah. Like how do you know anything about like recording and editing and all of this? Did you would you just like do it and just figure it out along the way? Well, funny story. I was house sitting in Knoxville and I ended up meeting a guy. <laughs> He's running sound at a local venue. <laughs> and we ended up having like a summer fling. Oh, perfect. <laughs> hey, Ryan. Perfect. Shout out to Ryan. <laughs> um. And yeah, he had just graduated with like a big fancy degree in audio oh, awesome. engineering. And I mean, I knew enough. I was in radio in college, so I wasn't coming into this completely blind. Mm-hmm. But that was like 10 years ago. And let's be real, I dropped out. So like I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> um, but, you know, the this day and age, I mean, if you go on po- um, iTunes, anybody can do a podcast. You just have to, yeah. you know, it's so user intuitive and friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, I was like, Ryan, I'm going to do this podcast and I'm going to be coming at it. And I was like, I don't want to be like, oh, that's cute. A jeweler tried to start a podcast. Like, I want it to sound yeah. baller. And it does. Like, it's oh, it, like the clarity is wonderful. It it does sound like you plan it more than I think you think, think you do. Or yes, I actually exactly. do. Don't give it away. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he helped me figure it all out. And, you know, I spent... All in all, I probably spent almost $2,000. That's not bad. It's not bad. You know, because it'll um, last. I mean, it's not like something that's going to go bad. Or I mean, maybe the technology will get out of date, but probably not yeah. long enough that you wouldn't hopefully make some money. You got to yeah. get advertisers. I'm working get on this. Get snagged to get, do get, advertise for you. I'm coming at you, people. <laughs> Don't you worry. Um, yeah, so it was kind of nerve wracking. And he gave me some lessons, but honestly, just like... You know, when did I start this? In July. It was just a lot of like crying and Googling and figuring things out and making dumb mistakes Mm -hmm. and calling Ryan panicked. Oh. Yeah. He's like my long distance IT support now. He moved out to LA. Um, So yeah, that's how I've made it. It's taken a village. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's so, it's, it's simple and complicated at the same time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I know nothing about sound. Like, Mm mm-hmm. I, I can obviously create sound. I don't know how to record it. I don't know what this box is doing. <laughs> Me, honestly, yeah, I just, I turn it on and it flashes a little and I know it's working, but, and it's funny because as I get doing this, right, like it mm-hmm. used to take me, oh God, just for the simplest interview, we're drinking bu- bubbly water, by the way, y'all, so we're going to be burping. Um, <laughs> I, where was I going with this? Ooh, had an opening last night, a little tired. <laughs> Didn't even like party hard. I was just like, no, I was wondering where you guys all went after. I was like, are they going out or are they all just crashing? Everybody like drove home. I stayed with April. We went to a 420 party and obviously (laughs) got there pretty late in the night. We ran into someone on the street who had like was running across the street barefoot, dropped something. Devin like rolls down his window and say like, excuse me, miss, you dropped something. She goes, well, fuck you. (laughs) 
You're like, okay. oh, happy 420 to you too. Like, it's like 1030, girl. Like, yeah, slow like, down. we showed up at this party at like 1030, 11. And she's like, yeah, it's going to be pretty great. And then we get there and it started at like 630. And it's just very obvious that everybody there had like eaten edibles. Like it smelled. <laughs> oh, God, we were yeah. getting a contact high the minute we walked in. And everybody's like, yeah, we're going to bed. We're like, okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self, don't ever go to a 420 party late. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone will be sleeping. Yeah, everybody will be out of it, literally. Um Yeah, so we were talking about <laughs> we we're talking about equipment and all these things. Oh, and figuring out. So as I go through this whole process of doing this, mm-hmm. um it's taken less and less time to edit, which is great. Like I've learned things yeah. along the way. It used to take like a day and a half. Because every step of the way, I'd have to stop and Google something and figure something out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've gotten things down, but it, I could still fine tune and I'm still working on things. That's, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I love like a DIYer. I'm like, I'll just figure this out. <sighs> yeah, it's kind of how I do things. I like yep. it that way. I hear that. <laughs> um, it's free that way. So, Erica Bello. Hey, girl. Oh, hey. <laughs> um, if you listen to the podcast regularly or any of the episodes like in the first like couple of months of this you probably heard us talk about Erica Bello I don't know I didn't mean to do that it, your name just kept no I kind of like my heart skipped a beat I was like holy shit like people know who I am. <laughs> like what is happening yeah um so I knew eventually that I wanted to get you on this podcast because I don't remember I can't remember the first time someone showed me your work I was living at Penland mm-hmm. I remember that um and I remembered being so impressed by my ex-boyfriend because he got me a pendant of yours. I remember that. I don't know how he did that. I mean, I followed you and lusted after you on Instagram, so maybe he just knew or I don't know how, but it was magical. Um, I love that necklace. The relationship's over, but I still got the necklace. Hey, jewelry girl. will last forever. <laughs> yeah, jewelry <laughs> lasts forever. Um, and, you know, I was following you, and I have to say – Something that really struck me about you was this one Instagram post that you made a long time ago. Your work was at Mora. And so I knew some of the galleries you were at, but the post was about, forgive me if I quote this wrong, but it was something like you were like, hey guys, being a jeweler is great, blah, 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 blah. I have to raise my prices. Like I was a little annoyed that you had to like tell people you had to tell people and like kind of justify it and almost apologize at the same time and I totally get that Mm -hmm. um which you shouldn't have to but I get it but I was just like damn I like that girl she's being so honest about it yeah I think I mean I I never kind of experienced a point in my life where I was like I'm gonna pretend to be successful or I'm going to pretend to know what I'm doing because I never knew what I was doing I basically you know graduated from college I tried to oh sorry where'd you go to college so I went to the Rochester Institute of Technology it is you know this beautiful like 70s brick building that (laughs) is a huge tech school and has this little tiny crafts department built into it um but I graduated and I you know I basically was like, I'm just going to start my business. I never worked for anybody. So I had no idea what I was doing. And so I never wanted to like come across that like, yeah, I know how to run a business and I know how to like make money. I don't fucking know. And I think most people who kind of enter into this lifestyle don't know either. And so I, I always felt it comforting, like basically being like, it's okay if you don't know what you're doing. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay if you need to re- raise your prices. It's okay if, 
you don't know how to price like that's fine I will help you yeah <laughs> like I'm I I know I think I had a lot of experiences where I would meet a lot of jewelers and they would kind of give this oh I have all the secrets and I'm only going to tell you if you know you're in this group or if you're my apprentice and I was like if that's like the only way you find success is by being really secretive about how you run your business and how you create your pieces, then you're not successful. You're just kind of holding on to this like one thing that you have that is, you know, allowing your work to thrive and that secret's going to get out. So to me, it's like, I'm just going to let all those secrets out and everybody's going to get better and it'll push me harder. So. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I'm fine sharing like all those like mistakes that I've made because I'm sure people are making them too and. Well, I mean, that speaks to the heart of why I'm excited about this podcast because it's Mm -hmm. like just putting it out there and then like, hey, yo, (laughs) you learn from my mistake, okay? (laughs) Yes, yes, because I made a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah. So you went to Rochester um, Institute, right? Yes. Okay, technology. So it's basically like technical based, right? They're not like, think of a concept. It's a little bit of both. I mean, they definitely, they kind of preach both at the same time. You have to have high craft and concept behind your work. Um, it all depends on where you want to go with your, with your program. I mean, people can make production lines. People just make really kind of basic jewelry. Sometimes people make really conceptual installations. It, they're Mm. pretty free with how they run their program. Um, and I, I think at the time I was making more conceptual stuff. I basically was using a lot of found objects. I was kind of communicating, um, ideas I had about like leaving my home and so I was using a lot of these like found home objects to do a thesis but then I graduated and I was like oh I did my show I didn't make any money (laughs) (laughs) I had to spend all this money to do this show and kind of up until this time I was doing a lot of you know craft craft shows with my friends to just like make change to like buy materials and I felt like okay this is like the path that I'm going to try and and follow um so I don't know. I, I just kind of like threw myself into it. I had no money. Yeah. I basically graduated with no tools at all except like basic hand tools, hammers. So I had to get a bench. My my dad, um, when I graduated, he was like, well, when I graduated college, you know, so long ago, my grandpa, he got me a watch. So that's what I'm going to give you as a graduation present. And I was like, no, no. dad, I want a torch. Like, <laughs> give me something practical. Dad, I can't. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to use a watch. Yeah, I'm not going to use a watch. I'm going to use a torch every day. And it, I still have it. I use it every day. Oh. Okay, I'm going to stop you real quick because how did you pay for school? So my mom helped me a lot. I okay. mean, so, are your parents divorced? Yes. So, oh, okay. so that's actually, I was pretty sly about when I applied for financial aid because mm. at the time my parents were divorced, my mom um, made a substantial amount of money. Okay. My dad um, had been unemployed due to a um, illness that he had had ongoing. So he yeah. he was on un- unemployment. So basically when I submitted my financial aid, he was the parent that I put down. Uh, so they basically followed his income in yeah. order to supply me with financial aid. I did the same thing because my yep. mom's handicapped, but my grandparents were, I was living with them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh no, you're putting your mom. She's, <laughs> she's oh, in yeah. a government oh, yeah. funded nursing home. Oh yeah. Yeah. They made it rain. Thank yeah. you, FASFA. <laughs> so I mean, I still, I mean, I, I did an associates before that and my mom, paid for that it was only like seven thousand dollars because it was private loans and she's like let's let's get this out of the way you don't want to deal with these people um but i still have a significant amount of federal loans i have about thirty thousand dollars in federal loans 
But with federal loans, you're able to apply for what is called an income-based repayment plan. Yeah. So you basically submit your income every year and they determine how much you need to pay based on what you're making. Yeah. And since I don't make anything, I don't have to pay anything. <laughs> However, it is just accruing interest and I'm just kind of like looking a blind eye. Oh, like. okay. That was going to be my next one. Or then are they nice to you about the interest rates because of that? No. no it just keeps, just, like, just keeps going. It, it benefits them in the long run. Yeah. I'm just waiting. I'm like, I know if I hold off for like 20 years, like it'll get absolved or something. Who yeah. knows? But I, but you got to do what you got to do. You know, it's like. Yeah, there was like another episode where I think it was Nick DeFord. We're like, it's like the big boogeyman. He can't hurt you. They're yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Aww. At least, I mean, federal loans are like pretty easy. Um, I know people who have private loans and they will hit you up hard. Yeah. So, like, if, if you are thinking about going to school, like, do those federal loans. Like, <laughs> you got to bond with the government. Like, it's fine. Word to the wise. <laughs> yeah. Get in bed with the devil. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So you graduate and then you're like, okay, I'm going to start a job. Mm-hmm. Or, wait, you're going to start a business. Well, so I did a little bit of both. So basically, I mean, obviously, I, there was no way I graduated from school and was like, I'm going to like be a craft fair lady and yeah. just like, you know, sit on my couch and create stuff and make money. I had a part time job for, oh, man, maybe like four years after I graduated. Coffee um, shop. I worked at Jared the Gallery of Jewelry. <gasps> OK, so, yes. So finally, <laughs> I'm so excited to meet somebody that's done this because I've heard yeah. of I know a lot of people that have had that job. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of things about it. Like, yep. But did they. OK. Listeners, the thing about Erica Bello is that she is a wizard when it comes to soldering. Like your your technical fabrication skills, like I want to take a class from you. I already told you that. I'm awesome. going to take a class from you. Um, and is that where, like, would you say like your strong skills came from undergrad or was it from this time at Jared's? Because I heard that they train you really well. Uh, no? So- Why? <laughs> okay, never mind. Not really. So, so it depends how you are kind of basically active within the company. Yeah. Um, so like when I started there, I I actually started there before I even went to undergrad. I, I was with the company for like seven years. It was a Oh, is long, that why you decided to go to undergrad as a jeweler? Kind of. I, I knew I wanted to go into jewelry and I thought, okay, I'm not going to make any money as an art jeweler. So let me try this other, you Facet. know, aspect first. So I did it for about a year and I was like, I hate this. (laughs) I was like, this is not what I want to do. I was like, I love, I love making jewelry. I love, you know, fabricating. I love the process, but you would basically have to pump out like 30 to 40 rings a day. Mm -hmm. There was no creative input at all. Um, people were like amazed that I could draw. Like the, the company is basically built out of people who they kind of turn into jewelers. It's people who don't have an interest in jewelry. There it's, you know, kind of like day laborers, which is fine. Maybe like factory workers. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Which is fine. It's, it's just you don't get that kind of conversation. There's not a lot of kind of technical encouragement. They're not encouraged you to design anything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's just people kind of go there. They put in their hours and they leave. So I worked there and I, I started as a clerical. So you're basically doing all the paperwork, quality control, shipping, um, so if you want to know how to run a business, like definitely get that job. Like they will teach you how to like crunch numbers and do inventory and how to like budget. Um, but when I went to RIT, I was basically, I don't want to like toot my own horn, but like so good at my job yeah, that I told them that I couldn't do full time at Jared's and full time at school. And they said, well, we're going to make a part time position for you. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I was basically, I like worked on the weekends. I would polish and everything. Um, 
And it gave me a lot of experience, but it also gave them an excuse to never train me and never give me a raise. So uh, the part-time I, part of that. Yes. They basically <sighs> said, because you're a part-time employee, and I was the only part-time employee in the repair shop in the entire company. Yeah. They said, because of that, we can't send you to the school that we send the stone setters to. We will not give you a raise. Um, so I kind of just was like, all right, like I'm just going to go in like everyone else, do my hours and like. Not go above or beyond because you're exactly, a jerk. Exactly. And I mean, I spent a lot of time like I tried to absorb as much information as I possibly could. Like I would really try to befriend the people that I worked with and get them to teach me how to do a little bit of stone setting. Yeah. Um, but it was it was just very minimal. Most of it was practice. I mean, what you're going to learn from working for a company like that is how yeah. to get fast. And so, like, sometimes people wonder, like, oh, how do you make this much work? It's because I know how to be fast. Like, that, I, oh, that's yeah. such a skill. <laughs> yeah. It's being fast yeah. and being accurate. I mean, you you cannot mess up if there is a pit in a ring or if something is a quarter size off or if a stone is loose. It's going to kick back to you. Yeah. And you have to stay until all of that work is done. So you better do it right the first time. Oh, like you have to stay the... Oh, yep. okay. Yep. Man, that's like cutthroat. Oh, yeah. It is intense. Okay. So let's say, for instance, that you're a full-time um, employee there, right? Do they give... I like the sound of training facilities for that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. even if it's just like straight up, this is a bead setting. Now you're going to do a thousand of these. Go. Yep. <laughs> um, but still, like that, no matter what, it's still practice and it's still making you a better jeweler. Uh? Yes. Yes. Okay. It, it's... I mean... Again, with anything, doing the same process day in, day out is going to, it's going to get you faster. It's going to get you more accurate. You're going to understand more what the metal is doing. Yeah. Um, you're going to understand how you make mistakes and how to not make those mistakes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I would encourage anybody, like, even if you can't get those jobs, like, yeah, solder 30 rings a day for a month and you will learn a lot. Yeah. You know? There's value in the repetition. Exactly. So do they give... If you were a full-time employee, do you get benefits? Yes. So you get you get health insurance. You get vacation. Um, okay. You you get raises, all of these things. But okay. because I was part-time, I never got any of those things. Man, that's... Yeah, I know. Uh, but, but you know, you were bettering your life. You're going yeah, to school. Yeah, I mean, and, but it, I mean, being part-time allowed me to like take like five days off of work and, you know, go to Chicago and do a show. And oh. I had all this time to like create my own work and... Okay, so you're even after you graduated, and I become aware of who you were. Oh, oh, I still had that job. I still had that job up until like 2016. Oh my god. Okay, so yeah. that is when you made that Instagram post that really resonated with me because yes. I remember you were like, "I quit my part time job. Yep, I have to raise my prices if I actually want to make a living wage." And I was like, "Preach." Yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was a huge. So basically, the deal kind of was for me is you know I. I was born and raised in Rochester. I went to school there. I worked there and I I needed to leave. And it meant like leaving this job that has kind of been this really. Crutch. Yeah. For, for a mm-hmm. long time. It was like, OK, I know I have this stable income. And I knew when I went to Baltimore that I was going to basically support myself with just my jewelry. Yeah. Um, so I had to raise my prices. But I also got a little help from my mom to the Dude. tune of $20,000. Oh, OK. Hold up. Yeah, that's an important thing that I want well, everybody yeah, you, to know. <laughs> you did say your mom was like making decent money. Yes. What she do? So she at the time, she's retired now. Um, she was the senior vice president of human resources for Constellation Brands. So, okay. you know, they like to make Arbor Mist and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So she worked for a winery. Um, she based, I mean, 
And like props to my mom. Like she started like she my parents got divorced. We lived in a one bedroom house. Mm -hmm. She went back to school and got her master's in business. um, And she like worked her way back up to the top. Like she worked her ass off. So she totally deserves it. And she totally supports what I do. She is she'll be critiquey and she'll give me like a hard time if I'm not making money or making stupid decisions. But she has faith in me enough to give me financial support when I need it. So because of, okay, so your mom, how does that even conversation come? Did your mom say like, hey, I see that you're trying to do this. You're earnestly giving it a shot. I want to invest in your business. Yes. I mean, that's actually almost exactly how it happened. Like she, she knew I went to school. She knew I was doing these shows. Um, She knew how much I hated working at Jared's and how they really weren't giving me any opportunity. Yeah. Um, And she knew that Rochester wasn't the place for me. Like, yeah, I mean, I love Rochester, but there's no art scene there. You're really far away from a lot of other things. You know, you're you're pretty much in like a little upstate vacuum. Yeah. So she was so supportive of get getting me out of that city and getting me somewhere where she knew I would have more resources. I would push myself harder. I would be around people who would, you know, I would be able to network with. So, I mean, she almost was like, just go. We'll figure it out. I'm going to give you this money. Yeah. Um, and that's did she like happened. literally hand you a twenty thousand dollar check? I think she transferred it into my bank account. <laughs> like, I would just like want to hold the check in my hand, like oh. It's and it's it's kind of it's freaky. I mean, it's it's wonderful getting that kind of money. Um, but I was I, again, we never really grew up with that kind of money, and yeah. my mom never would just throw money at us and just let us do whatever we wanted. So when I got it, I was like. I really have to make this work. I need to be smart about what I do with it. Yeah. Um, and I've now kind of made the decision as, you know, as I've gotten this job at the BJC and as I'm kind of making a little bit more money with what I do is I'm trying to basically save up $20,000 to show her, like, I made $20,000. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is a good investment. <laughs> yeah, like I, I paid it back. Yeah. So that you get the 20000 and that kind of is the, the catalyst for quitting the part-time job? Yes. And so then that moving. basically allowed us – so, I mean – it didn't actually go a lot into my business. I think only like $5,000 went into my business. A lot yeah. of it went into just like living expenses for that first year. Because yeah. we moved down 2016. So we moved down. Yeah. We lived in this huge um, warehouse space called the Copycat. Um, moved down to Baltimore. By the way, we're in Baltimore, Maryland. I don't even think I said wonderful. that. It's wonderful. It's beautiful outside. Hey. <laughs> um, in Rochester, it's snowing. <laughs> so there's Woof. a reason I left. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we, we lived in this space. It was like um a thousand bucks a month um we had basically originally tried to come down we we had friends who were starting a nonprofit called the station north tool library it's a, mm-hmm. a tool lending library and facility that teaches classes and so they were living in the neighborhood and they you know we would come down and visit we would stay with them and kind of like saw how the area was turning over into this like maker space like incubator yeah um and they lived in a artist subsidized house in our oh. apartment so we thought this all sounds wonderful like this is our goal like we mm-hmm. had a very strategic plan of like we're gonna get into this housing i'm gonna make friends with the bjc you know yeah. devin's gonna find a job we're gonna do all of those also it, it's nice to have a partner oh totally yeah. like like when you say a thousand dollars rent it's like 500 on each of you it's like oh totally oh, god yeah yeah yeah. i, I want to fall in love just so i can split my rent y'all it's pretty great you know and like <laughs> spit groceries and everything and uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's pretty great um 
Yeah, so I totally respect people who do like the hustle by themselves. Yeah, I don't think I could woman. do it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> but we, so we moved down. A lot of it went to rent, you know, just like supporting yourself for a year where like I got settled. I could make stuff. I basically, I mean, we did everything that we tried to do. Like mm-hmm. I started teaching classes at the BJC. Um, I did other workshops. I started doing bigger shows. I was basically just working on my jewelry completely full time. Um, and then after a year of living in the warehouse building, we were able to move to the artist subsidized apartments, which we're in right now. And let me tell you, it is a nice apartment. Yeah. And it's not like it didn't when I, I know other people that have like lived in artist subsidized lofts and it feels like a loft, right? It's like one big room yes, yes. and a kitchen kind of in the corner. It's not really blocked off or anything, but this is like, this is a straight up apartment. There's two bedrooms, um, we're sitting at this like lovely aisle you have in your kitchen and your kitchen has a dishwasher. So yep. Life never is had good. a dishwasher before. I never yeah. had, I was telling you, never had an oven before now. Like we had, <laughs> yes. we lived in these places that didn't have kitchens. We would use a hot plate and a toaster oven and it was like a miracle. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, luxury. I'm yeah. like, oh, that's actually just like I the mean, standard. Yeah, this is like the nicest place I've ever lived. And some people are like, oh yeah, that's like normal. It's like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, the other reason why I became, like, I became familiar with you, and if you've listened to the podcast, there's an episode I did with Emily Schaefer, who was a finalist for the Halstead Grant. But Erica Bello, you won that. What year did I you win? I did. Oh, I think it was 2014. Okay, so you were yeah. still in the grind up in Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was Rochester. still doing I was still doing part-time. I mean, and even after I won, again, like I really was holding on to Jared's for a long time. Actually, yeah. well, and when I won, so they actually increased it. When I won, it was a $5,000 cash stipend, yeah. unrestricted, and a $1,000 um tools material grant to Halstead. And you know, pretty sweet. I think it's always when you don't have any money, you're like, oh my God, $5,000 is so much money. Oh, I danced around my apartment. Yeah. It was amazing. Absolutely. But like in reality, you were asking me like, how much does your equipment cost? And I was like, well, my whole podcast setup, not including my laptop, that's like mm-hmm. $3,000 <laughs> on its own. But this was roughly like $2,000. Yeah. Money, like I got this money. I got $50,000 from my grandfather mm-hmm. passing away. I paid off my debt. Mm-hmm. I um, moved. I bought a, my first car. Um, used because like come on let's not oh, yeah. get too you, crazy you gotta like have some restrictions yeah <laughs> I bought health insurance for the first time and like got my eyes checked and whatever that money's gone yep how is fifty thousand dollars gone but yeah. like really life is fucking expensive no five thousand I mean, dollars isn't a whole lot in the grand scheme of things exactly I mean yeah. it may kind of like when I talked to Hillary who runs how said she she basically says like I mean we are doing this project it is great Obviously, they wanted to offer more and are yeah. now doing that. But I think they understand that it's, it does take so much more to be able to do what we do. I mean, like, yeah. tools are expensive. Materials expensive. Like, I've been lucky that I've always had my studio in my apartment. So I've never had to pay studio rent. Yeah. And I get to write it off. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that money, that money for me I don't want to say it went quickly, but I had to be really smart. And I wasn't putting down it. the price at all, but I was just saying, like, to no, be no, realistic no. around it, it's like, dude, $5,000 is not going to last that long. Yeah. You have to be yeah. really smart about how you use it. I mean, mm-hmm. and the thing to me that was more beneficial than 
the fi- so there are two things that were beneficial about it. One is like you just get a lot of press. Like oh yeah, you're everywhere. They like splash your name all over the place. I, I got asked to exhibitions. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that's kind of how I started. Did getting they do the Penland. book when you were doing it? Because Hillary sent me. Thank you, Hillary. Oh, I love no. my book. As like a thank you for doing the episode, I got it, and it's like oh my god, it's like a whole book about the um, finalist and whatever. I don't it's gorgeous. Know. It's it feels sad saying this, but it was. I mean, it was like four years ago. It was a long time. Yeah, ago. everything like people always like add on and get better. Yeah, as yeah, yeah. On, so. Um, so I don't know if there was a book, but I mean, like, you know, like JCK and Snag posted about it. Yeah. Um, so I had a lot of exhibitions that followed after that, that Mm -hmm. like got me into some really, really awesome networks. Um, but beyond that, just applying like their, their application process isn't, I mean, I don't know if, if anyone has ever applied to a grant before, but some grants are really loose where it's like, you just do a proposal and you, you follow up with the timeline and it's really based around what your idea for a project is with the house head grant it's really business oriented so a lot mm. of them a lot of the format for writing your grant is based around questions like who is your target buyer like how many pieces do you need to make a year to make this oh, much yeah. money like serious fucking questions yeah. like things that you need to think about so i mean <laughs> it's good like yeah, by the time i got that money all I had to do was like go back and read my essay and say, oh, yeah, this is what I want to do with this money. This is where I'm going to go. Like Baltimore was a huge part of the essay that oh, I wrote. Yeah. Um, was that your first craft show? So you had to build like a booth for it and whatnot? Yes. Yeah. Well, there's like my, half your it, budget right there. It wasn't my <laughs> first one, but it was definitely probably the biggest one. It was the first time I had done an indoor like with lights and yeah. pipe and drape. Um and I did the wholesale and retail for ACC, and it was awful. <laughs> we had yeah. a huge snowstorm. They oh, actually shut I the city down. I remember that. Year. Yeah, it was oh, brutal. Girl, I'm yeah. so sorry. That was your first one. That's okay. I I have yeah. like the thickest. I mean, I'll cry, but then I'll just be like, whatever. Like, gonna do the next one. You yeah, know what, what I are mean? You gonna do? Yeah, exactly. Like, you can't let it bog you down too much. But you just, I mean, you get smart about it. Like, I never did wholesale again because I just, I knew that wasn't for me. Um, and I. Again, most of you, if you follow me on Instagram, know I didn't do good at oh, ACC she, this year. She did another post, and I was like, I did. Yes, I did. You're like kindred spirits. I'm very like, real. Like, I don't, oh, God, I don't I try it. to bullshit people. Like, what was the post like? It was like, you were just like, I didn't make that much money or something. Yeah, I think I, I just, I mean, I wanted people to know. I mean, I think you go to these shows, especially for, for students or people who are just starting out. You go to these shows, and you see these people in their beautiful white booths with all their jewelry or mm-hmm. crafts or whatever. And it looks like they are doing so well. Everyone is smiling. Like everyone's happy. And I think most people might then go do their first show and not do well and say, oh my God, what did I do wrong? Is my work not great? Mm -hmm. Like are my prices wrong? Is this not the show for me? And those are all great things to think about. But I think a lot of what people need to discuss is are these people who are doing these shows actually successful or do they just kind of keep Either, doing it yeah just keep doing it because it's doing. what they know how to do i mean especially the older generation you know people who were really successful in the 80s and 90s when the craft boom was really big I, say, I, I hear people talking like the golden era of shows oh, yeah. and i was like what the hell yeah so we are <laughs> definitely not in the golden era anymore <laughs> yeah the internet hit boom <laughs> yeah so it's 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 good to do these shows but know that a lot of people who do these shows might not be successful and they they don't feel comfortable talking about it. I'm totally comfortable talking about it. Yeah. Well, you know, I think there are people that kill it at these shows. Oh, yeah. No, I know people made like $10,000. Yeah. And, like, good And for there's you. other people that do it in a sense of 
their hobbyist. Like it might yeah. not be their only income. So they yes. only need to make like one or two, pe- like sell one or two pieces for them to feel great about it. Yeah. But if you are beginning a business and you were like so very much so relying on that money yeah. to, to be able to feed into the next thing you're doing, you're kind of screwed if you don't make your next booth fee yeah. at that show. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. there's always like more finances coming down the line. You know, it's like yeah. if you're going... Again, if you're going from show to show, it's like there's always that next booth fee coming up or that application or that travel expense. And yeah. so you need that money from that show to like be able to continue. Yeah. And, and usually like my determination of at least when I've hit somewhat of a success is like I need to make twice my booth fee back. And I'm not talking, yeah. I mean, I don't even mean booth fee. It's like booth fee, travel, electricity. Like if I had oh, to make yeah. a display, like like let's not beat around the bush you know what i mean like you need to make twice that money back so that you can invest it in the next show yeah and have a profit exactly and you know i think it's a fine line and i know i'm all like radical transparency let's talk about this but i also get like when you're in that booth those people with money they smell it on you if you're like struggling oh yeah you can't be scared (laughs) it's like i'm never gonna be like oh why aren't you like more honest while you're at the show no you're smiling you're happy everything is perfect buy my jewelry but I wish our community after like after the lights are off mm-hmm. and we have a glass of wine and those conversations I really value because we're so honest with each other usually. But um, I just wish we could be there is a way to just kind of do what you do, like make an Instagram post and be like, well, honestly, my numbers weren't that great. Yeah, because um, to me, I think if we can again, I mean, it's it's fine if people don't want to share some people. Yeah, go people solo. are weird about money. It's a faux pas. I yeah, get it. but I but to me, I think. The more as a community that we are able to share and discuss, again, why people are successful at shows, why people aren't successful, mm-hmm. the more we can kind of figure out how we as a craft collective can be successful. Because I yeah. think what a lot of the problem is, is that, again, like people who aren't successful, it's not that your craft is bad or, you know, maybe you're not your prices, but it's that you need a different venue or maybe the clientele isn't there. Like maybe the show to me, I mean, to me, that's what the problem with ACC is, is that they are not providing the clientele to buy the work, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if people don't talk about that, then ACC is not going to change. People are going to keep doing the shows because they think the clients are there. And so I kind of felt like I was making a stand, like I'm not going to do this anymore if I'm not making money. And I think that's what you have to, as a business person do, like you have to make those hard decisions. Like, this isn't worth it for me anymore. I need to think about my next process. And I think it's okay to say that. I'm, you know, I did the Philadelphia show last year. Mm-hmm. Um, my first craft show. I was like, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I invested probably like $5,000 into it total. You Your know, because awesome. Dude, girl, that booth almost killed me. Literally, physically. Oh, those hard ones are crazy. <laughs> yeah. And like mentally, I was just like, I'm done. <laughs> Fucking done. Um, also, if you get into the Philly show, I got some hard walls you can use. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I am not applying. I was like, you know what? I feel like I'm just backing away from the challenge, right? Mm-hmm. There was a part of me that was like, mm. but then the other part of me was like, you know what? For all that that you invested in and went through, you made $6,500, which is yeah. amazing, I've been told, for your first show. Like, I yeah, actually, that's definitely not bad at all. Yeah, my overhead was low because I live in Philadelphia. That's why I applied to that yep. show. And I got in as emerging artist, so I got a cheaper booth fee. Yep. But, um, like, if I was to do the show again, I would have to take off work for it. And it's just, like, that alone, that paycheck, like, I'd be oh, pissed yeah. about if I didn't make that kind of money. And, yeah, so I just, like, 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it no and I, I think that's yeah. okay I mean I, I think you don't have to I, but I think when you make those decisions it's like okay then where is my revenue gonna come from like am I gonna do internet sales am I gonna yeah. do galleries like you know am I gonna deal with wholesale clients and it's those are like again you have to invest I think you have to try it and see if it's yeah. successful and that's I think where a lot of people in the beginning struggle and that's fine I mean yeah, it, it's, it's hard to yeah, test things out totally yeah I mean I mean as a emerging artist you're not only testing your products by making something and seeing if you know buyers actually want it it's like yeah. you need to test where those buyers are who they are yeah. what, like where are they shopping you know I mean it's it's a little bit of like a like check and see so the thing for me with your work, oh God, I love your jewelry. <laughs> if you follow me on Instagram, you're probably going to remember the day that I interviewed Erica Bello because I just like <laughs> blew you up on my Instagram stories. But um, I covet your jewelry so much. I think it's gorgeous. And I think you fall in this like weird space, right? Like you're not fine jewelry. You're not using enough gemstones mm-hmm. and whatever. But you're above like commercial jewelry 100% because the craftsmanship, your contemporary jewelry. But you, you, for me, it's like, I can't believe that you did bad at the ACC because your jewelry is just so on point and your branding and your look is so good. So like, what is happening there? So I think it's a, a little bit of, I mean, it's a bunch of things. You yeah. know what I mean? I can't say like, oh, it's my work or oh, it's my price. Um, I think it's a lot of things. One, I think, especially with the ACC, the numbers are so competitive. Oh my god! I mean, it's like seventy-five percent jewelers, and there's like what, like eight hundred people there. I wondered about that when I went to the show for yeah, the first time. Crazy. Sorry to interrupt you, but like yeah. I was pissed off for my friends. I was like, all I'm doing is walking through rows and rows of jewelers. Yep, they should know better. Yeah, it's it is so competitive as yeah. a jeweler, and there's always going to be somebody who is making something cheaper or lighter or more wearable. And yeah. you know, and again, it depends who is coming to the show. I mean, a lot of that clientele at the ACC specifically is an older clientele. So for them to view my jewelry, they might appreciate the craftsmanship, but are not really enticed by the aesthetic. It might be too modern for them. It's probably my work personally, I feel like is very masculine. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're interested in like more feminine work, there's a lot of different jewelers who do that. Um, I mean, I would even walk around the show and say like, wow, this looks not similar to mine, but it's, a similar aesthetic it has a similar wearability so I mean you're not even just competing with other jewelers you're competing with someone who is almost in like your same you know aesthetic grouping yeah so it's just tricky um also like when you commented on like older women it's like yeah uh I love your work like mm-hmm. I'm 33 so I think your demographic like you're very contemporary I'm obsessed with it a lot of my friends are obsessed with it when I show it to them mm-hmm. none of them could afford it Yep. I can't afford it. <laughs> I can't afford my own work either. You yeah. Know? So, but like that, that's something to be said. You know, it's like, I know a ton of girls that love your work, but they're buying their jewelry at Forever 21. Yes. I mean, so, <laughs> you know? I mean, and again, those, you know, you're competing with those sellers as well. I mean, like, yeah. why would someone buy, you know, a beautiful handmade piece of jewelry that costs $200 when they can buy something that has like a similar feel you know, at Claire's, you know, it, it's yeah. just, I don't know if Claire's is still around. Maybe. All right. Oh, they are but. actually. I rock Claire's sometimes still. 
<laughs> you got that like six pack of stud earrings oh my going. God, it's so true. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So, so I think it's, it's hard. I think, you know, as much as doing the craft show hustle is beneficial, a lot of times getting in with those galleries, you know, you're paying them 50% for a reason. They, yeah. they have the buyers they have people who already appreciate craft yeah um it's people who are going in their store to buy it's not like acc where a lot of people just go and look a lot of people yeah. think i've heard people say i've paid my 15 dollars. i don't need to spend any more money and that's like a hard oh. thing to hear but yeah, that rough. is a lot of people's perspective on a craft show whereas i think with a gallery or you know a boutique people are actually going into shop they are mentally prepared to spend money yeah so you know, it. I mean, I, I hate seeing those checks where it's like my work is this much and I'm getting this much. Yeah. But I'm paying for it for a reason. Is because they have they built a clientele base. They're selling it. I don't have to actually be there to do it. Yeah. You know, and they are probably going to talk about my work better than I am. You know. Have it's you tough talking about your own work? Oh my god, it's the worst. Have you? <laughs> you you got to witness my first artist talk last night. Yeah. It was terrifying. <laughs> it was good. It was great. I loved it. Um. So. Have you applied to, I mean, when I applied to the Philadelphia Museum of Art craft show, that's kind of like a, like a kind of like a slightly higher caliber, mm-hmm. S- um, smaller than ACC. Um, and I think they curate artists a little bit more specifically. Like yes, they you do. can't just get in every year. Like yeah. I know people that get in for three years and then one year they don't get in and then they're pissed off. And I'm like, actually, that makes me really respect that show. Oh yeah. Because they're like keeping it fresh. twenty or 200. People? I don't know. It's, it is significantly it's smaller. smaller than Or like ACC. the Smithsonian. Have you applied to either of those shows before? I've never applied to the Smithsonian because I always felt my work was too modern for the clientele. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not sure because, you know, I talked to Maria Ify about it mm-hmm. and she was surprised that she got in too. So maybe they're trying to kind of like bring in those new younger jewelers. Yeah. Because I think mm-hmm. they... I mean, I think it's nice. They do, I think, want to show off like what the new generation is making. I think a lot of times, sometimes when you do a show, especially as an emerging artist or as a new artist, it can be the most beneficial because people love seeing new stuff. Oh, yeah. People love supporting new people. Yeah. So I played that card real hard when I was at the PMA. Oh, yeah. I mean, I did the um, I did Ace in Chicago and got in as an emerging artist and I did great. I made five thousand dollars and the booth fee was five hundred bucks. Whoa, that's awesome. It was amazing. And it's like the most beautiful venue you've ever been in. It's it's oh, actually not that at one the Botanical in a garden. Gardens. Oh, yeah, it's okay. great. It's, yeah. it's fabulous. Um, so that was just wonderful because people will literally direct themselves to the emerging artists. So do you think, what was your demographic like there? Because you did so well, could you actually kind of get an idea of like, oh, this is who's love buying my work? I mean, it seemed like a, I wouldn't say a younger clientele, but probably people who are in their like you know, 40s and 50s, which compared to the ACC is actually a little bit younger. Yeah. Um, It did seem like they had a lot more money. Like price was not an issue with people. People were spending like five to $800 like at a pop. It wasn't a big deal. People didn't, you know, kind of him in hot. Yeah, exactly. People were just like picking up and going, which is what I love. Um, (laughs) Picking up and go. Yeah. So so I think, you know, I mean, and I don't want to, you know, speak bad about Baltimore but I've, I mean I've never done the other but ACC what's the community shows. like and exactly. the community support it's that like, show are, are, I think about that exactly like are you pulling people in from DC like is it just Baltimore because that's like be a little Philly. tricky yeah because yeah, exactly I mean if we're honest Baltimore has been a city that's been 
had a rough history. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, and it still is. Um, So can Baltimore support, I mean, I think Baltimore can support craft and um, nonprofits and these kind of smaller projects, but can it support a huge craft fair with 800 people and full of luxury items? Exactly. Exactly. Can, can people at, at this time in Baltimore understand what that is? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, but I think they don't know either. Yeah. <laughs> so it's okay. That's fair. But it's been happening in Baltimore for a while, right? Yeah. I don't remember how long, but I talked to people who were like, oh, yeah, I've been doing the show for like a decade. Do you think it's also because the convention center in Baltimore is real cheap to rent? Ugh, probably because I really yeah, hate I, that venue. <laughs> you know, like you know, I, I think about that. Yeah. yeah. Because at the bottom, at, at the end of the day, ACC is a business. They're not yes, doing this exactly. just for, out of the goodness of their heart. Like yes. they are packing that convention center filled with many as artists as they can, getting all those booth fees. Yep. You know, like you just got to be, everybody's trying to make money. You got to be real about no, that. No, totally. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to hold anything against them, but I would hope that they would look at what is happening with their artists and say, you know, we need to change something now. Otherwise our artists are going to stop doing this and we're going to stop getting people showing up you yeah. know and, th- and that's how they make money I mean obviously they make money off the booth fees but I'd hope that they're trying to make money off the ticket prices as well yeah and you know you need to engage younger clients you need to engage people who are not in Baltimore because I think people don't really you know because the internet exists like people don't travel for that anymore people are like yeah. oh I'll just see what Erica's doing on Instagram which yeah. like if you want to do that Go for it. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to say no. Sale. I get all the money. Exactly. 100% profits. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, sorry. You go. No, no, no. Go. No, you go. No, I don't even know Okay, I'm going to go. Um, so um, you and Baltimore, you've kind of transitioned the way that you've been trying to make a living as an artist, right? Like you took on a job. Yes, um, I did. Holler at your girl. I did the same thing this last year and it's been amazing. Mm-hmm. I love paychecks. I know how much they're going to be. Yes, it is <laughs> very When nice. they're coming, <laughs> I can like start to plan for mm-hmm. saving. It's a fantastic feeling. Um, so you got a job at the Baltimore Jewelry Center. Yes. Yes. Um, tell me about that in terms of like, is it a full-time job? Like what's up? So, and it was kind of a fluke that it was even available. Um, hmm. Basically the old studio manager, Beth Pullman, um, who started the organization, uh, decided to move to Carsdale, Pennsylvania. Um, mm. And it was it was very sudden. I, when I moved to Baltimore, I didn't know that that was going to be an opportunity for me. But um, at the time when they had kind of issued that the job was available, I was in a position where I wanted to be more involved with them. And I was also having a lot of difficulty with my hands. I was, I was basically oh. overworking myself. I was working so hard. I was getting really bad carpal tunnel. And what? I was like, okay, this is maybe an opportunity for me to make some money and not, you know, go so hard on my body. Yeah. So I applied and it was kind of a little scary because, I mean, I have, I just have a bachelor's degree. I, yeah. I never got my MFA. Um, I just, I couldn't invest money in that. So I didn't know how I would kind of stand up against other candidates. Um but I had a lot of experience from Jared's. I had a lot of experience from running my own business. And I had taught there a couple times before. And so they kind of saw how I was with students, yeah. um, which is a huge, huge aspect of the job. Yeah. Um, so basically, you know, like 32 hours a week, you know, four days a week, I am on staff as the studio monitor. Okay. Um, I basically, 
my job is to just help students if they have any questions if they don't know how to use a torch i help them if they you know are having problems with their piece and they need me to troubleshoot with them i'm there if they need to like pick between two different colors of enamel like i am there wow so that is basically my main position at the jewelry center but um being a nonprofit. I also do a lot of like the um, behind the scenes work. So I am um, basically like the unofficial um, BJC photographer. So I'm basically nice. photographing all the student work, making photos for um, our class images, um, photographing the studio, like doing, you know, flyers and promotions, like creating all of those like digital images. I do mm-hmm. the newsletter. Um, I basically do any kind of studio maintenance that I am able to do. So, you know, like if the bandsaw breaks, I'm going to kind of try to figure out how to put it back together. Um, You know, if the torches need changing, I am there to like reinstall all of that equipment. Um, I do help with the class planning, figuring out what we're actually going to offer students. Mm -hmm. Um, I help a little bit with the exhibition planning now. Um, So now that I've been there a little bit longer, I mean, April is obviously the one who totally champions that project. She is awesome. Um, And I'm so glad that I get to kind of work with her and kind of see how she handles those tasks. But as I'm kind of getting more involved with the BJC, I'm kind of getting a little bit more, um, you know, dipping my toes in the water a little bit more with doing the gallery, Um, which is great. Um, But yeah, I mean, you have to kind of be a jack of all trades like you can't just be a jeweler you have to be a jeweler and a teacher and a photographer and know how to build websites and mm-hmm. you know do all these kind of crazy things because like your day-to-day tasks are going to change yeah and I mean I just did a series of interviews with Shane and mm-hmm. do with April so I've gotten a better understanding of that and I didn't realize the staff is so small oh yeah it's like six people or even at that oh totally I mean yeah. I mean really the core staff, like the people who run the the school, are just Shane, April, and myself. So okay. we are the ones who are doing the programming. We are the ones who monitor the studio. Shane does all the grant writing. It's insane. I yeah. like I like say a prayer every day that she is there because <laughs> she does things that I don't know or couldn't do. Yeah. Um, and we do have an amazing um, kind of sub faculty that is you know. Our teachers, people we have on committees, like our educational committee or exhibitions committee, who also help us. But a lot of the programming relies on the three of us. So Mm. we do a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you get benefits? I do get benefits. Oh, you're not even full time. You get benefits. It's great. Yeah. I had my first paid vacation ever. (laughs) I'm 32 and I have my first experience with like getting paid while being on vacation. Yeah. It was awesome. I just had the same thing when I was in Munich. Yeah. Like... I was like, oh, that day was actually paid. Like, holla. yeah, it is very weird. But like, I'll go in and we had a snow day the other day, and I saw that like on my paycheck, it was I was actually paid, and I was like, oh, I didn't want to use my vacation time for that. And Shane's like, oh no, we pay for that. And I was like, oh god. Yeah, my job pays for snow days right now too. Yeah, I'm like, it was just like un- it was unbelievable. Yeah. So oh, man. yeah, because I cause I'd come the from the bar this- is set so low for us. Yes, <laughs> I have no expectations. <laughs> yeah. God, life. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, it is a crazy job. It's super stressful. It is, I'm talking about going from a position where I was basically working by myself in my studio alone to yeah. working with upwards of like 30 students a day and dealing with tons of different personalities, different problems. Yeah. 
dealing really closely with our core staff and making sure all of those people are happy. So it's a really hard job. Yeah. But I am beyond grateful that they are able to support their staff and allow people to kind of be able to support themselves where they're doing this thing. Yeah. So I feel like we can really relate to this because you just took on this job. I just took on this job beforehand. I hadn't had like a real job in like Mm -hmm. four years. (laughs) Hashtag craft school experience. Um, But how are you dealing with that transition? Like, how has that affected your studio practice? Like, do you have the panic attacks I do where it's like, holy all, shit, I haven't made something. In, I haven't made something in like a month, people. Like, I don't have time. Oh, yeah. And I used to like, I know I'm going to feel like it, I'm going to sound like an asshole. But I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, you have a nine to five. You sit at a desk and like you don't have energy to do anything after you get off work. Bullshit. And then I was like, oh, my God. You are literally like I'm sitting speaking. at a desk <laughs> and I get home and I'm like so tired. Yeah. I can't do anything. It's draining. I mean, yeah. it, it takes a lot. And I did this for a long time. I mean, when I, you know, especially when I first went to school or when I first graduated, I would, I would push myself so hard. Yeah. You know, like you would just burn yourself out and get back up and do it again. And I do have moments where I will do that. If I know, if I have a show coming up or if there's something that I really need to get done, I will push myself hard. Yeah. But most of the times, like I come home and like, I just need silence. Like I need to decompress. (laughs) Yeah. So, but it's, but at the same time, like, I'll always have my sketchbook with me. I will mm-hmm. always try and sketch. Um, I'm trying to do, this is really hard for me. I'm trying to do a little bit more reading these days. Which <gasps> me is too. so challenging. It's so hard. Yeah, so, so I'm trying to do that. Um, but also because I now have this stable income, I was able to hire an intern. Oh, a, let me just oh, repeat this. A paid intern. I pay her. I am very proud that I am not just like having <laughs> her work for me for free. I pay her. It is not a lot, but um, but it is something. It's amazing. I love her. Um, What's I, her name again? She introduced. I met Molly. so many people last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, find me on Instagram. We'll connect. She's amazing. She yeah. she basically sent me a message on Instagram. Asked, she was like, I love your work. You know, if you ever need any help, let me know. And it was like right as I had taken the job at the BJC, and I was like, holy shit, I need help. Like, yeah, I I can't do this because a lot of when I went to the interview process with the BJC, a lot of their questions were what are you going to do with your business? Like, are you going to feel mm-hmm. guilty about giving up that project? Like, what what do you think you'll do with it? And I kind of kept saying, like, I'm not going to give it up. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to be magical. I'm going to yeah. work I'm gonna a like full-time job. I'm going to have, like, eight hands, and, and I'm going to sleep two hours. <laughs> yeah, it's totally yeah. fine. So so I was able to hire an intern. Um, How much do you pay her? So she gets, Sorry, like, that- a bit <laughs> of a mixed um, payment. So I basically pay for her studio rental at the BJC. So she works at the BJC for me. Oh, She okay. works um, 12 hours a week, and I think I give her $160 every two weeks. Okay. But so, it's also, so her payment is basically the way I kind of pitched it to her was um, when I started her, I said, okay, we're going to go through this month-long trial. I'm going to set you at this, like, discounted rate. Yeah. And we're going to go through the month. We're going to see if it works. After that month, I'm going to pay you – this regular rate and it's going to be a direct payment to you and also I'm going to pay for your studio fee so she basically has an unlimited studio fee at the BJC so yeah. she can go work there anytime she wants 
Awesome. She can go do their, go do her own stuff. And she's actually taking a class now, which is like super amazing. Your proud mama moment. Yes, I am so happy. <laughs> she was like asking questions yesterday during the exhibition. And I was like, yeah, girl, like get in oh. there. <laughs> no, she, like, she's awesome. She walked right up to me. She's like, I want to introduce myself, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, hey, girl. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's totally engaged. Like she connects with all the students. She always... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wants to know like what's going on in the arts community. She's interested about all these artists. She came to the ACC and like met a bunch of people. Like, nice. I mean, it's again. It, it. I'm now in this position. I mean, much like how the BJC probably feels, where it's like, you know, you're doing it for the kids. Like, yeah. I want to be successful so that I can be able to support the next generation of artists. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So is she in school? Like, where did she? Ooh, I'm so bad. I mean, because <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I, so she did. So she I'm did so get bad. A, I don't know. She did get a degree, um, yeah. and she basically um, went from her degree to working at a um, like youth camp for oh. crafts in Connecticut. So cool. she basically approached me when she was still at that youth camp, and you know, she taught like you know soldering, and they would make rings, and I think they yeah. even set stones and stuff like that. So she definitely had hand skills when she came to me. Okay, yeah. So she she knew how to solder. She she knew how to do all those things. But a lot of what we talk about is you know how to do things faster, how to basically um, build your construction process and yeah. your day to day making process so that you can get things done really fast you can be really accurate i mean she does she does a lot of soldering and i've seen her get a lot better which is awesome yeah so she kind of making your production jewelry right now yes yeah so she's doing i don't say all my production jewelry it's definitely like a 50 50 split um and you've done a lot of the work where like what she's soldering together components that you cast yes exactly so i might be so you know she might be getting a 3d print that then she's cutting apart and soldering down and i'm doing like the finishing or maybe Mm -hmm. she's making a chain for this one-of-a-kind piece where i'm doing the the pendant and she's actually doing the chain fabrication all those things i love this okay Mm -hmm. so how long has it been going on Ooh, so she started i think I'm so bad. I have a horrible memory. <laughs> it's definitely been going on for a couple months. So, so okay, she basically so it's helped like, me. Not like a year. It's like no, a no, 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 no. But she helped. She basically helped me get through ACC and all of that craziness. So yeah. And she did awesome. Like she she did the show with me. She like oh, she's your doing the selling business. Yeah. She helped yeah. me set up. It was great. I mean, I remember with my mentor, like, oh my god, I started with Sarah Lurcher because she was prepping for ACC oh Baltimore. <laughs> As an emerging artist, that's what she was like. I was in one. I was in her class. It was like very f- similar to oh, what cool. Baltimore Jewelry Center is. Yeah, it's Pratt yeah. Fine Arts Center in Seattle, and she was. Just, and I was just like this really eager, excited person. Yes. And she was like, "Do you want to come over and like help me paint blocks of wood for my display?" And I was like, "Oh hell yeah!" Like yeah, I just yeah. wanted to hang out with her and be in her studio and yeah. get to be a part of it because it was exciting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm sure for her, she was like, "Oh my god, this is cool! I'm setting up at the craft show and working it." Totally, yeah, because, yeah. I mean, she, I don't think she'd ever kind of experienced that. You know, she, she had come from doing an undergrad and then kind of was working with these kids, but I think it wasn't that world of, especially, like, at the BJC where people are doing conceptual work. It's mm-hmm. several different artists doing several different techniques. You're actually, like, engaged with these people. You're in a studio setting, you know. I think, yeah. I mean, that alone has such a huge influence on people. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, again, it, it – it is something to go it alone and have your own bench. And like, again, I did that for a really long time, but I think my work has become something different because I'm able to interact with these people. 
You know? Oh, absolutely. I'm yeah. in the same boat right now because of totally. the collective. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's definitely changing the way I make my work or think about it. I didn't know you were having so much trouble with your hands. Not surprised. <sighs> it's pretty bad. It's not really not getting much better. Yeah. How long has that been? Ooh, like two years. Okay, so this is <laughs> something I need to find the perfect <laughs> guest to have this talk about, like quality of life, which mm-hmm. you kind of touched on too, right? Like, yeah, you work a forty-hour week. You don't want to come home and just work, work. I don't know. Some people love it. I mean, I would say this. Ex- I, yeah. I love my boyfriend, Devin. He is fabulous. We also have a dog. Oh, my like, God. You guys, give me that cookie box. Yeah, yeah. He brought Devin, us macaroons. I was he's like, wonderful. Oh, hello. He, like, is always thinking about everybody but himself. I think this one is but lemon. I think if I didn't have, if I didn't have that kind of domestic aspect to my life, I would just work nonstop. Because oh, okay. I don't know how to really relax. Like, even when I'm kind of home sitting watching TV, like, I'll be sketching or I'll be editing photos. Like, I can't – that is, like, the most decompressed I can get is, like, yeah. sitting on the couch. Um, and oh, like, we should hang out. I'm really good at decompressing really? and, like, relaxing. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm horrible yes. at it. <laughs> I have to fight myself to work half the time. I'm like, oh, but there's this fun show I can go to. And Oh, I'm awful. I'll be like, I'll just – you know, I should just make work, whatever. I mean, I think that's how I got – to be where I was is like, you know, I'm kind of antisocial. Like I would mm. kind of blow off events and like just make stuff in my studio. And that was like more rewarding to me, especially at the time. Yeah. Like I, I just, to me, like making things helps me relax. It helps oh, me like okay. process information. Like it's sometimes it is really taxing. Sometimes it's stressful, but most of the time, like just sitting in my bench quietly and working, like I don't know. It does something for me. Is the way you me. relax? Yeah. Oh, that's so funny because I'm the opposite. It like freaks me out, stresses oh, me out. Oh, really? I get stressed out when I'm not working. <laughs> oh, man, I want to be that person. I really do. Oh, no, do. you don't because there's a lot of time you're not working. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Good point. Um, but yeah, there's a part of me is just like, oh, I just want to have fun. I'm not lazy. Oh, like, yeah. I don't think anybody could say that I'm lazy, but it's just like my heart is usually like, I'd like out the go, window. Like, you're like, like I'm tubing or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the thing about your hands is fucking scary. Yeah, it is really scary. And it's it's gotten better because um, there was at a point where it was really, really bad. Ba- basically, what's happening um, is the tendons in my wrists and my arms are basically getting overused. And so, um, like, what can happen is either my hands go numb or they hurt. So I'll get, like, radiating pain up my arms. Oh, that's scary. Um it's also because I'm a little bit of a like stressful sleeper. So like apparently I'm like clenching oh my, my God, fist. Oh my God, I do that. Yes. It's, yeah. I'll like lock my arms into my chest. So yeah. I've like worn braces to sleep. Okay. You know, I was I'll... thinking about investing in the braces. Yep. What yep. do you think about those? So it's tricky. So um, does depends. anybody else out there get this? Talk to us if you have better solutions. Yeah. Because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm kind of just like Googling it on the internet. I mean, mm-hmm. I, and I went to see, you know, a specialist and he said, oh, do do physical therapy. And I do like kind of try to stretch most of the day um and I was really worried it was from making jewelry but I again because I've been doing the BJC thing I haven't been working as much as I have yeah so I think it's like I'm tense like my muscles are tensing themselves so I try to like do um I'll put like a tiger bomb on there to like help like relax my muscles like you got to do Advil every day like you have to like it's your muscles are basically so locked you know maybe from just like years of like yeah clenching tools like when I do stone setting like it's brutal because it's like my hands are tight like I'm pushing on things it's tough I mean you have to I know a few jewelers who push themselves too hard 
to the point where they couldn't go back. Yeah. And that's a really scary thought. Scary you know, thought, I, yeah. I don't know what I would do if I couldn't make jewelry. So you have to be careful. Yeah. Um, but again, that's why I started going to things like, you know, sometimes people talk down to people who do 3D printing and it's like, I need to go to that. I can't make this all myself. First of all, I'm going to burn myself out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, I'm not going to get a profit because your perceived value exactly. of this ring is so much less. Exactly. Than what it is. Yeah. So to yeah. me, it's like, yeah, if you're sitting at, if you're sitting at your bench and you're killing yourself and it's not going anywhere, rethink your plan because it's, <laughs> it's not worth it. You know, I yeah. mean, I'll, I definitely think you should push yourself, but know what your breaking point is. And for me, that mm-hmm. breaking point was like, I literally had like radiating pain up my entire arm. That's so funny. The more I talk about, like my friend David had it too. So he tried and he yeah. sews a lot. His He's an artist as well. I also clench my teeth at night. Like I'm oh, a grinder. I do that too. Yeah. Okay. So we're in the you same the boat. The TMJ, the, some, it's something where your jaw, where your jaw locks shut. Am I, yeah. Like I can tell when I'm falling asleep, I can already feel it. Like yeah. I'm already clenched. Ooh, yeah. And I wake up every morning like yes, this. Like this? Yeah. Like, like a little mummy. <laughs> yeah. And they're like underneath my chin and I yep. get zits from where my, yeah, my yeah, hands yeah. like rub there. Yeah. Damn I, it. I have done it so much. So now I, so I have a couple things. So I, I would do wrist braces that would keep me from turning my hands in. Yeah. But now I don't know if that's a problem. Now I think it's my elbow. And so I'm now doing braces. Your elbows are bent really tightly. Exactly. So now mm-hmm. I'm trying to wear braces that keep my arms extended. Um, that must be sexy. Is Devin like, ooh, come oh here. Oh my God. I feel like such a dork. <laughs> it's horrible. But it's like I have to, I have to do it. Yeah. Um, it's like when you're casually dating, you like you fall asleep and make up and you oh yeah yeah yeah, and then it's like once six months into it, you're like oh I actually wear a retainer yeah. and I- <laughs> yeah we've been dating for five years so there is like, like no allure anymore <laughs> the mystery <laughs> is over yeah <laughs> oh that's good yeah but I, I mean I don't know I think I don't know I mean again I don't know what I would do if I couldn't make jewelry anymore so I'm yeah. just like. Again, it's like if I can't make it, I'll teach people to make it, you know, and it's yeah. like, again, like with my intern or even with anybody at BJC, like I want people to like be engaged in that community. I want people who are engaged with that community to be yeah. successful. You know, that means a lot to me. I mean, you're, to, you're investing in the community in one way or another. Exactly. It doesn't yeah. have to be. I mean, it's the same thing. I'm paranoid because like all I do is podcasts now. Mm. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm never <laughs> making jewelry. But it's still an active part of our community. Oh, totally. Yeah, or my community. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. However I'm trying to do I it. I mean, I think even if you're, if you are doing it by yourself and just selling jewelry, you are educating the greater community about what contemporary jewelry is. I mean, yeah. to me, that's actually a huge aspect of how to support, you know, the contemporary craft movement. It's just like letting people know that we're here. Like most yeah. people don't even know that contemporary jewelry exists. Like they're shopping at the I'm mall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. So, like, if you can, like, bring just one pe- one person over to, like, the dark side, whatever. Like, <laughs> we need them. So, yeah. Yeah, just, like. And it's across the board. I mean, I feel like this conversation could translate to ceramic artists and oh, totally. workers and all of the above. Because yeah. we're, all, we're all in it. We're all booth part neighbors at the craft show. Yeah. I mean, that's why I love that you kind of talk to people across a lot of different disciplines because I think I mean I know jewelry people feel it but I'm sure like ceramic people feel it too like glass people you know wood whatever I mean at least we get a precious metal can you imagine being someone like here's some dirt that I glazed oh my god I can't even think about also like transporting (laughs) those things like I would break shit immediately oh man there's that moment like 
my friend Sahid was my neighbor for the PMA and he's a glass artist. It's like I roll up with my suitcase of yes. all my inventory. Yeah, exactly. I'm I just like, have it in one little black bag and like it all fits in my car. I don't have to get a transit van or whatever. I know. The ceramic artists are just like cursing under their breath. Like yeah. jewelers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's pretty funny. It has been such a pleasure talking with you. Yeah. Did we cover all the things? I feel like, I feel like, like coming into this, I was like, I have to talk to you about so many things. <laughs> like, I'm so excited about this. I don't this. think so. I think we talked about pretty much everything. Yeah, yeah. We talked about the BJC. We talked about my life. Oh, you know what? I never actually got into many numbers with you, though. There oh, was like a few yeah. numbers I did want to ask oh, you ask about. Oh, ask me numbers and I'll try to tell you. Okay. So, well... For instance, what did you actually make at the ACC this past year? So I think I made a little over $2,000. So that is oh. a wash. You know what I mean? Like the booth yeah. fee and everything was probably about two grand. So I probably made no money. <laughs> You're like, holler to girl. I can laugh about it now, but yeah, <laughs> I was I mean, crying back then. Yeah. And how much is the booth fee for the ACC? So I think it's around 1600 but then pipe and drape is maybe like one. 50 or oh so you're no, not wait. actually counting the money that you invested into materials so i'm like mind. at a negative at this point yeah and i mean i don't think i sold that many pieces you know what i mean it doesn't yeah. usually take me a lot to get up to two grand yeah. especially in materials you know what i mean it's because i'm working mostly in silver and because i don't use a lot of gemstones my price is usually in my labor you yeah. know like it takes a long time to create some of this stuff um so the material cost was, you know, for the pieces I sold, maybe was like 100, 200 bucks, maybe 300. Okay. Um, but most of it is in the booth fee and in electrical. And I think I redid one of my displays. So that was probably like another $100. So, I mean, it just adds up, yeah. you know. But luckily, I don't have to travel. So if I had to travel, I would have been really screwed. Oh, yeah. And so because of the subsidized housing that you're in, you're in the City Arts subsidized yes. apartment. Um. I feel like you have to be like pretty on point with how much money you're making because they keep a close eye on that. Totally. So before the Baltimore Jewelry Center, how are you doing having a go at this full time? Like, what do you think your yearly oh, income was? So um, it was probably no, it was probably no more than like maybe 15 grand a year. How and that's, that's net. So gross oh. was maybe like. 30 grand oh what does that mean net gross oh okay so break it down (laughs) so basically like when i calculate my numbers you have a um gross income and the that is basically how much money did i take in yeah once you subtract your materials your um you know the booth fees my website prices that's when you get to that net price and so Uh. it's, it's basically like after all of your material costs you made this much money Okay. Is that what the IRS looks at or do they look at gross? They look at both. Yeah. okay. So you basically present them with your gross number and then you basically do all your deductions, which is like your your rent and materials. And then you wean it down to the smallest number you can possibly get so that you don't have to pay any taxes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I have an accountant. That's why I'm like so very clueless. I'm like, I know this is not my strength. Oh, I need an accountant. (laughs) I'm going to pay you the money to do this. Holla. Mm -hmm. Make it happen. Um, Okay. And then for the, I don't know if you can say this, but like with the BJC, like what? So making? I, so we had a, a, a discussion about this and I, yeah. I want to be respectful to them because they've been so great to me. So I can't actually give you yeah, a direct number, but. Um, can you pick a box? I don't know. What do you mean pick a box? Like, like box A is like 10 to 20. Box B is 20 to 30. Um. I Maybe mean, I, I don't know. I mean, no, I that's would. That's fine. I don't want to like, yeah, I, mean, I totally get that. Yeah. Because I don't want to. 
I don't want to say anything I'm not supposed to. Yeah, no, no, no. I but get it, that. it definitely, maybe I'll say this. It is the most money I have ever made at a job <laughs> ever. Okay. But again, let's talk about me coming from a place like Jared's where I was making $10 an hour. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, again, the- being able to do what I do there, yeah. um, I mean, they, they pay me well. I get. Mm-hmm. I have never felt like I was not being compensated properly. That's exciting. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Um. I mean, and it's still a nonprofit, so like I directly understand that how much effort I put into filling those classes and getting revenue for the studio directly relates to if I can be paid or not. Oh, I mean, obviously, yeah. not. They're not going to stop paying me if we don't sell a class. But like, my interests are only in having the BJC grows so that they can not only afford to pay me, but we can afford to pay someone else because we would love to get another staff member. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and I think the way it is now, I mean, my, the BJC definitely supports me more than my jewelry business only because I have all of those expenses. I actually make about the same amount selling my jewelry as I do at the BJC. But once I add in all those expenses for shows and materials it decreases quite significantly yeah 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 yeah. yeah. oh that's interesting i mean so i can say i mean i don't know if people want to do math but i made gross this year oh shit maybe i gotta bring out my quickbooks if you're not using quickbooks you don't know what you're doing because i'm not using you gotta you gotta you gotta keep it on there okay you know what like i'm bad with money i know i am i am bad at this kind of stuff i'm that person that is like if i'm fearful that i'm getting low on ca- like on cash for before between paychecks i just don't look at my bank account because if i don't look at oh, it no. then i'm not i know <laughs> oh my god i'm giving so much away right now the worst i well and i did that for a long time like you know i would like buy materials with like the same credit card i would buy my groceries with you know and it was like god damn like why <laughs> you mean like what i do right now yeah, yeah yeah i did have a business account but i like i'm in this like gray area it's like not enough but it is just get, get just get I'm, that separate credit card. I'm doing it. Because <laughs> basically what it does, I mean. It makes it easy to count up the expenses at the end of the year. Yeah, and then yeah. you know if you're making money or if you're not making money. Because a lot of times people will be under the illusion that they're profiting. But then when they look at all their expenses, they're not making any money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, if you sell a necklace that's $100, that's awesome. But if it took you $80 to get the materials to rent the space to make it to pay for the venue to sell it you're not making any money you know like and that's like a a reality that i think that a lot of people don't want to look like i actually went through my quickbooks and i was like "Ooh, not doing so good this year erica (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is fine i mean the year just started um i like how on the back of your phone too you have this like erica Erica rules rules. (laughs) that was devin (laughs) devin had a label maker um I mean, so my my total income is for this year, gross. So let's talk gross. This is numbers without any materials or rent or anything. Yeah. Is seventeen thousand dollars so far? Okay. So that's a big chunk. Yeah. So a little more than half of that is income from just my work specifically, okay. um, and it's divided up between shows, online sales, and gallery sales. Yeah. Um, and they're somewhat evenly weighted like most you know they're they're probably across the board making about the same money yeah um but when you look at my expenses i have spent six thousand dollars this year on materials booth fees 
website taxes like yeah those i mean those things add up i mean and i'm still again i'm lucky that i have that bjc job yeah that i don't have those you know things pulling out of my income you yeah. know it's it's again it's it's a paycheck i know it's going to be the same every time like <laughs> you know that it doesn't have anything that you like your expenses in it exactly yeah. exactly That's you know magical yeah it it is it, it has allowed me to do a lot of things that I don't think I could have done otherwise. You know, like I probably never could have, I don't want to say never, but it probably would have been really hard for me to get an intern just on my own. I probably yeah. couldn't have paid her, especially, you know, how I pay her now. I would have her, you know, work at my studio, which doesn't have the tools and materials that the BJC does. Yeah. You know, I, I started working a little bit more with gold this year. I probably could have never been able to get to that point because it's such a huge investment that I don't know if I'm going to get a return on. Yeah. Um. So it's just tricky. I mean, I I think, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, like, if you really want to, like, kind of grow your business, you either got to price properly and really invest in, you know, figuring out who your buyers are and really do that show hustle or get a brick and mortar shop. Like, mm-hmm. you got to do those things. But if you want to, like, be a little bit more chill and kind of like make what you want to make and not like travel every month like like maybe find a part-time job and like do something that you like love or do something that correlates to the business that you're doing you know what I mean like yeah don't like you know look down at people who work retail because they probably know a lot more about selling than some of the artists in the field you know (laughs) yes it's true it's so true yep (laughs) Ah, oh, man, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I love that you... Okay, do you use the free version of QuickBooks? No, I pay for it. I How think much do you pay? It's 100 or 200 bucks a year. It's not All that right. much. Yeah, yeah, it's not that bad. Okay. And it basically, and it makes it just easier to do my taxes. But again, it just allows me to see, oh What's shit, up? I'm spending too much money on this. Or, you know, I'm not selling as much at the galleries as I'd want to or you know whatever I mean I don't know it just yeah. lets you kind of lay everything out it has really good graphics whatever you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it yeah it's it's worth it's worth the money it's it's probably going to help your business if anything um yeah because I think a lot of times yeah people just don't look at those numbers and want to just close their eyes and just like imagine they're doing great and sometimes you, <laughs> people need a reality check you know oh. and it's fine like yeah. You got to scare yourself every once in a while. 2018 is the year of me facing the music about a lot of things. Yeah. That's what I told myself. Yeah. I'm almost 33 years old. I got to get my QuickBooks on. Yep. <laughs> That's the lamest thing I've ever heard. I know. It's real. <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much. This no, was this such was a pleasure. Like, no, I'm so glad that we're, you know, we're like a few towns away i'm glad mm-hmm. you could come down I'm, I'm so glad also that we had the jv collective like partner with the bjc and oh yeah do the podcast i'm i'm really excited to like listen what our students had to say it was just great having you all together to see the bjc mm-hmm. and talk to our students and again like show them like hey these ladies are doing it you can do it too you know oh thank yeah. you that's nice that's nice to hear oh, no. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, this has been another episode of Perceived Value. I always fumble this. I'm not going to do it this time. (laughs) The podcast (laughs) broaching the subject of value with artists. Until next time. Perceived Value is a podcast recorded and produced by me, Sarah Rachel Brown. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as at Perceived Value. Stream us directly from our website at perceivedvaluedpodcast.com 
or listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Just don't forget to rate and review us. Thanks for listening.